0: I'm your host Josh Allen and welcome to episode 9 of Still Rolling. This is still a podcast that lives everything and nothing equal measures. You'll get a bit of film industry chat peppered in amongst anecdotes from seasoned professionals and some folks are just finding their feet in the industry. This time we're delving into the business side of filmmaking. Thankfully we have Ania Stalinska to make a process a bit more palatable. Look, we're talking about producers, production sides. We all know we need money to make films. Well, if you try and do it without. That just makes things harder than they need to be. So I love this story because it started with a young filmmaker from Poland finding a delightful character in Yola. She was filming at a senior's dance class on a quest to discover whether the old folks knew more about love than everybody else. Um, We opened this episode with the trailer. So if you're hearing some weird stuff, that's what it is. But you can totally go and check it out on CVP's YouTube channel. You know, we've got the visual side of things going on there. So I implore you to go and check that out. Otherwise, Anya and I talk about the joys of attempting to screen films uh, without festivals amidst COVID. So the reason this is a big issue is because that's where most films get sold. Without maximising their return, it's unlikely they get out to the audience that the films deserve. So it really does suck. Um, You know, Anya and the team have high spirits, though, and it's a pleasure to have on the show sharing her story. So enjoy. This week, we are incredibly
1: lucky to have Anya Stolinska with us. She is, a, I think, producer, co-producer on this incredible project called Lessons of Love, which is in conjunction with HBO Europe. And it's just an incredible story uh, about an elderly woman who embarks on finding out what life is all about at the
2: age of 69 years old when she leaves her husband. But I'll let the trailer do the talking and then we'll get into it with Anian.
0: Dlaczego nie można mieć dwóch mężów? Może zacząć od O ruchu. jednym na pewno zapomnę tamtym, porządek, a drugiego będę miała a tutaj. A będzie. czy musi być rozwód? A drugi nie porządnie. Pan Bóg nas rozwiedzie z czasem. Jak ci się to podoba wszystko, co ja robię? Że drugiego... Będziesz miała tatusia?
2: Ja na twoim miejscu,
3: nie zastanawiam się nawet minuty.
0: Jeszcze jedno chciałam się spytać, czy takiego człowieka można kochać w dalszym ciągu? Co ci krzywdę robi? Co krzywdę robi całe życie?
3: Czego Bóg nie dał kobiecie rozumu?
2: Nie musisz mi mówić, co ja mam, rozumiesz? I nie ubliżaj mi, bo mnie zawsze Ale ubliżasz.
3: Jaka jaka jeszcze łobu z nic nie warte, nawet wieszonej przy. i tak się kocham. Kiedy będziesz już ze mną mieszkać, kawa?
1: Ale jak się nie będziesz ze mną sprzeczał, nie będziesz się kłócił. So, we've just watched the trailer for Lessons of Love, and I was fortunate enough to actually watch this film um, only yesterday. And at first, I didn't know what to make of it. I watched the trailer and was completely in love with the characters immediately. Um, but then watching it, I was like, hold on a minute. Is it is it a documentary? Is it a feature? These people feel real in a really authentic way, but at the same time, it kind of feels an interest there's an interesting contrast in styles and how it's shot. Anya, yeah, how on earth do you get involved with a project like this? I mean, we'll get into the style and things, but like, where does a project like this even come from?
3: Well, actually, I uh, I was developing another project during some uh, production workshop, and I met these uh, girls. One of them is a quite claimed artist here in Poland, Uh and uh, they were working on some project which was more artistic, and it wasn't like a professional, you know, um, professional movie. It was like a artistic projects about uh people uh elderly people in the dancing club for seniors because maugosha one of the directors she um, she wanted to uh interview uh older people and ask them on advice about love. Right. She believed in the beginning that they have to know they, they have to have some kind of a recipe for you know perfect relationships. No kind it. quickly she realized that you know we are always the beginners if it comes to that but That's she, quite
2: funny,
3: yeah and she, but she was hi- hypnotized by this uh, dancing club and she she kept on shooting and shooting and shooting and she ended up at this workshop where i was with like 100 hours of footage from just a dancing club and what? like she she was, so it was just yeah. a small
1: project to start with and she still had a, over 100 hours of footage.
3: 100 hours or something like that, or maybe 80, you know, but it was like never-ending, you know, uh, impressions from that uh, dancing place. And um, So the was, original
1: intention was not a feature-length documentary at all?
3: No, uh, no, no, no. I think she wanted to make like a short because she already has yeah. done s- several shorts that were mostly screened in the art galleries and uh, she's really good at this conceptual art you know um, media projects and she she invited uh, her very good friend to to take pictures for that project and Kasia she's uh, she's also on a very artistic soul but she's also not like a not at least at that moment she wasn't like a professional director or DOP. I mean she graduated from Edinburgh Film School, but she also wasn't so experienced and and trained really to to make a feature-length documentary. And then they uh then we met at this workshop and they were actually convinced that they have almost finished film because you know you know when you have 80 hours of footage then you think, well oh, I can edit it, you know. And then and then they realized that you know they they don't have a film they have a very good research material and uh, yeah. they thought they don't need a producer as well amazing so they ended up you know with the knowledge that actually they are just at the beginning of the process and they do need a producer and where
2: did that
1: come from was that your it was that your uh Insight into the procedure, or was there other people involved that helped that? Conclusion? Like
3: everybody said it, you know, like all other participants of the of the uh, of the workshop, you know, with other pro- there were people with other projects, and like it was obvious that they need someone who would guide them, and they, there is such yeah, yeah, yeah. potential for a like a real professional feature length documentary, which they, they have never done before.
2: Yeah, 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 and
3: it was obvious, but even they sensed it already that there is only one protagonist in that film. Well, you know? yeah, and you know, in that one hundred hours, there's just one outsen- out- outstanding, hi- hypnotizing, uh, you know, lady that you have to just follow her.
1: <laughs> so interesting, isn't it? And this is what I mean by that style choice. Is it's yeah. it's fascinating because the character comes across as almost a work of fiction, like a person you couldn't write the things this person's dealing with. Obviously she's an elderly lady uh, sorry, an elderly lady that's going through this time in her life where she's sick of her abusive husband. And it's yeah. like it just it reads like fiction, it reads like drama. And then she's like leaving him and then and you know embarking on life at that point in time. What does life look like? So it's amazing you get to see her doing singing lessons and obviously the dancing and all that sort of stuff. And but also this, you know, conflict with her faith as well, which I was intrigued by because I you know, I got to learn a bit about uh, Poland and, and obviously where, you know, her her faith and her, you know, um, dedication to her religion and her conflict with that, which was just really interesting, especially to see it sort of, you know, play out that way. So it just doesn't seem like, it just doesn't seem like real at all. It's so strange.
3: But did it seem authentic? That it seemed like, OK.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's weird about it. Like the authenticity in the character is so charming because you get to enjoy that element of her life. And I didn't necessarily even know watching it, is this fiction or is it documentary? But and then after I'm like, oh, it's obviously a documentary. And then when you know that about it, it's even more charming. Like I fell in love with the film more after that point, knowing yeah. like the little things, as you said, like it's documentary filmmaking. You know, there's little occasions where the frame has to change to find the character and little things like that. You're like Oh well, that's fiction. You wouldn't do that, of course, because you just do another take or whatever, or you'd have mobile cameras. But then you realize that that's just happening. So it's yeah. really interesting to see it unfold.
3: It was a very very long process to find this kind of language to that film. Like I think that it feels like fiction, first of all, because of her, because of she's course. you know she's very theatrical. You know, she likes to play, and even though the is, language as well. Yeah, but even though there is no camera. Uh, she she's always performing for herself. You know, we were even trying to catch these moments where, where she's not performing at all, yeah. and it never happens. You know, she even sleep because she has this very very strong makeup. So our goal was to to show her more vulnerable, maybe more delicate. And we were thinking, well, maybe we have to film her when she has no makeup. You know, how so do you we,
2: catch her? Yeah,
3: we we we, <laughs> feel, we 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 were actually there's this big part happening in Italy and we were staying at the same house as her and, uh, and this evil husband for like eight days or something so we were like we, w- we will film her sleeping you know so we really filmed her sleeping and she was in full makeup she was like before getting to sleep she was getting ready really? with her you know and like actually very red lipstick. So I think that like this fiction style comes from the character herself because she is like this. She, she she likes the camera and camera loves her, I think. But the second thing is like that it was a whole process how to find the best language to tell this story. If we don't have like a, uh, at the beginning like – a very professional uh, director and professional DOP. We're talking
1: camera language here, right? We're talking about editing techniques and like how you stage that frame and stuff, yeah? So more camera language and techniques. Yeah,
3: like camera language, like how to, like because we, uh, in the beginning, we really had a lot of, you know, uh, footage and we were not actually able to edit any scene like from the beginning to the end because you need to be a very experienced and qualified uh, documentary director really like to, yeah, to adjust during you know when you're shooting a you know some some real character it's very difficult like you have to take very quick decisions how to feel from where like without too much directing this person you know so it's it's a i believe it's like it's it's really a very difficult and challenging oh, yeah and and you really need to have tools for that and experience you know and the uh, both now and kasha kasha immediately became uh, also a director because we felt okay she's really uh, also directing uh, you know they are both taking these decisions
1: interesting to see that, that became a collaborative process because as you know more often than not it's not that case is it but great for you guys to then find that skill set within her. That's really great.
3: But the other thing is that Kasia is very, like, she has amazing imagination and she, she did a lot of great shots, but she could film only from the tripod. So we could have only static shots and we have a character that's moving around and very dynamic, etc., So I was like, okay, very
1: challenging for tripods. We did
3: another DOP, but I don't want to undermine her because she's so great and she's important to the project. So we have to find somebody who's more experienced than her, but but that in a way that she wouldn't feel threatened, you know. So then we took another DOP, and they had like they have very good connection together. So it's like this this team was, you know, it, it was like this whole long process of adapting, you know, like when I saw that something is not working properly, then we had to fill this void in with something. So Uncommon. I think this is why, this is why in a way, it ended. we ended up with like this fiction style because we are getting more and more prepared before pictures, yeah. you know, making research, like scouting for places and, but it was always, uh as we had already so many years and hours of research yeah uh we we actually knew like what situations we want to show because we already observed them,
1: for example,
3: but then we what had
1: wonderful you know what a wonderful archive to have access to in that regard yeah, yeah. yeah must if- so much must be you know it must be amazing to have that. Yeah, it's just so funny when I really think about this story. It kind of becomes, I keep unpicking it in my head after I've watched it because it's just, it's, you know, in so many ways, so incredible to see these characters. But, you know, I think about the husband character. I'm just like, wow, watching that and thinking about it is like a work of, this is work of fact. And the fact that he just doesn't care. Like he just is who he is, regardless. And like the language, it's like that is an abusive relationship and you're witnessing this unfold. Just like, how do you even put cameras in that situation like dealing with it personally it was just like yeah, yeah.
3: oh he's a bastard you know like we spend no i mean really yeah, no, you're absolutely evil. right i don't mean to it's, laugh but it's, you know pure evil you know but it's uh and we had a lot of questions because you know we see that he's a very bad guy and yeah. he, most of the time under the influence of alcohol and it was always, you know, we we had a lot of discussions how to portray him, you know, like how much we can show him because it's not a film about him but in order to understand her, if we want to understand her and what she's been through we have to show him in a way. So I
1: think in a nutshell that kind of does bring my point around because the reality is that, isn't it? It's like the charm of it is the fact that she's dealing with that adversity and that problematic situation
2: yeah. in a
1: very healthy way, but she's endured it for what, 40 years.
2: It's like, yeah. wow,
1: you know, like, but just the testament to her character. She's yeah. such a wonderful person that like just deals with this in such a matter of fact way. It's like for better, for worse, I'm yeah. dealing with the situation. I've got myself into the situation and this is what I'm doing with my life. And then, you know, she, she even has the duty of care to talk to her kids about her new boyfriend and stuff like this. And it's just like, again, you couldn't write it, but at the same time, it feels like fiction. It's so strange.
3: No, we didn't write it. We didn't stage it so much. But but, but the fact that sometimes in some situations you have two cameras, it makes you feel also...
1: Of course, being have to cut between the two things. You know? for
3: example, there is this one scene that we ha- we, we shot even with three cameras when she's going on a date with this new boyfriend, when she's so elegant and they are sitting in the restaurant. I was going to see, yeah. And and we actually just uh, put three cameras on tripods. Two two were outside the restaurant. We were filming through the window. One was inside and we just left them. We just left them for two hours. So, you know, it's... In a way it's staged because we like we have chosen the place where they would go for a date, which they were actually planning, but then we were not interfering the scene. It was like we just asked him that uh, if he could talk to her about uh, her moving uh, to his place that's all
1: yeah it's, it's a very interesting conversation regarding documentary filmmaking whole. Yes. Oh. Interference versus stage, because obviously, as you know, a lot of the modern documentaries work on this retrospective. They're telling stories that have already happened, maybe twenty years ago, and they're utilizing archive, but with obviously, uh, you know, a narrator. But it's part of the story. It's very interesting to see the different styles of these things take place. But that's the thing: is like, do I have a problem with that? Absolutely not, because in this situation, you're just dealing with a situation they're already going to be in anyway. Of course, you're having to set cameras up, and they're aware of it, and I'm sure they're well, evidently. That scene plays out as if they're just two people enjoying themselves, but it's so strange, isn't it? It's like, again, I you know implore people to watch it because that even that scene playing out is just very natural. But his vulnerability is not. It's like, yeah, he's having a very honest and real conversation. But I guess that vulnerability comes with age. I guess maybe I don't know. It's like kind of evaluating that that element of it. He's just pouring his heart out. He's just like right. I'm at the stage of my life and I want you to live with me so it's like he's just so sincere about that but that's what I mean it just doesn't feel like yeah it feels like that's encouraged but that's just who he is it's so strange but wonderful and charming at the same time
3: yeah we were really happy happy with what happened during these three hours you know yeah. without even you know interfering or asking questions or giving directions just yeah. it was just happening there so this is, I think, that, you know, even if you use three cameras, etc. This is the magic of documentary.
1: Well, one it of the things that you happen say, like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, one of the things you can definitely say for you guys is that the ability to see that story for what it is and mm-hmm. to see that character is is part of the journey, isn't it, of, of documentary filmmaking? Finding these people, let alone them actually being happy for you to document their life and be a part of it, essentially yeah. for a period of time, is a okay. completely different challenge. And then actually filming it. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting case study in that regard. But, I mean, going on to that, at what point did you... Of course, you've got some incredibly amazing partners on this project, uh, project HBO Europe, for one. Like, how did you even get involved with those? That's like, that's, an, that's a big deal.
3: You know, I mean, we don't have much of, of a choice in Poland in terms of broadcasters, because you mm. can have either the Polish public television, which has become more and more you know propaganda tube for for the current right wing government so well if you don't have to work with them i'd rather avoid it
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> and the second and the second chance is uh, hbo europe they have also warsaw headquarters and uh, well but it means that everybody who makes documentaries in poland wants to co-produce with them and that's obvious and it's very competitive so but, that
1: independent finance being that model versus what government finance or
3: no? I mean, you, 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 you we, we have the Polish Film Institute. Yeah. You know that uh, we have a pub, like public fi- financing for documentaries. Yeah. Uh, you know we don't have this like American tradition that you have like private sponsors of uh, cinema. It's mostly yeah. the public state, the okay. public funding. So uh you apply for that but it's never enough to you know it's not uh, to se- secure all the budget so yeah. you know e- you you can apply for money from the Polish Film Institute but you'd still need at least one broadcaster. yeah
2: uh, but you need to get a uh, on and it.
3: it's still quite small budget you know that's why we are going more and more often for international co-productions because you know we don't have so many opportunities to get money in here
1: was this funded uh, by you guys to start with?
3: By by us?
1: Yeah, the by the by the directors. Was this funded by them initially? Uh,
3: well, honestly, even if you have this public money, uh, it takes so much time to you know uh, sign the contracts, to deliver all the required documents. It's such a long and you know it's a really long process. Okay. You know, and uh, and. Normally, if you know you if you're making a fiction film, you can wait till you have this money secured and then you can start shooting. But with documentary, you, you have,
2: have a
1: choice. No.
3: right now, and you cannot wait. So the if reality, happens,
1: is, yeah, he's not going to wait. <laughs>
3: the was that for the first one year and a half? We were just shooting without having any money. You know, just you know, I arranged a deal for the equipment that we didn't have to pay for that at that right. time
2: so and,
3: uh, yeah and we got some prize and like we we had some very very little fundings but uh but yeah that, that that's that's the reality you shoot yeah. without having money for that but then we uh, we were lucky enough to because we are presenting this project at Krakow Film Festival. We attended a lot of pitchings and international workshops with them. And yeah. at the first at the first pitch ever, uh, we got the main prize, which was well uh, some little money, but still helped us to go for one um, uh, for a few days of shooting. It's but a it, bit
1: of momentum as well, isn't it? It's just that little bit of a help, right? Keeps yeah. things going
3: yeah yeah it's just like a small cash flow and it pushes things uh further but this um this uh, we got this prize from the head of HBO Europe Hanka Kastelicova. so we knew that she liked the project. You know, so, and I so so then I was like, okay, I have to get a meeting with her later on. So when we had a little bit more things edited, like we had some scene selection or something, I was like really pushing because she she's based in Prague and she's traveling a lot around. So when I learned that she's coming to Warsaw, I was like, I have to meet her, you know.
1: <laughs> so amazing. That's yeah, really good to hear because that's the thing is like that tenacity and that ability to go like I need to meet this person and I'll do whatever it takes. Is yeah, what done, right? it,
3: of course it was easier for me because I knew that she liked the project so that was kind of a motivation that well it means something you know yeah. she has chosen us before so now and, uh, she's a very busy person and she had a very, you know, full schedule. She just came here for two days, but I was like persistent. I really have to meet her and I sent her some materials. And then I, I finally went to this meeting. And, you know, after 40 minutes, she said, okay, we're going to do that project. And I know that it doesn't happen very really often because all these, and it's not only HBO. It's like most of these broadcast casters these days; they don't have to com- commit early, you
1: know. What yeah. no? They're rather, no,
3: no, because we don't have like like as filmmakers, producers. We don't have much choice, you know. We uh, they can they don't have to risk anything. They can just wait till the project is finished, and then if they like it, they can say, "Okay, we're gonna enter it."
1: You know, that must be an amazing feeling to get that commitment in the room.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Like, for me, it was obvious because I felt it's such a great film, you know? It's going to be a great film. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry.
1: I oh, don't worry about it. You can always it's interrupt. A,
3: it's, it's, a, a it's the real
1: world. It's the real world. <laughs> we realise we're lucky enough to have your time today, so.
3: Yeah, it's, a, uh, I'm making another film uh, about the oldest DJ in Poland. Her name is Vika, and she's just calling me, so it's Amazing. Funny.
1: Well, we'll like, definitely get onto that in a yeah. second, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, back to HBO though. It must have been amazing to get that that approval in the room, right?
3: Yeah, so that was great. You know, without them, we wouldn't be able to 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 complete this film. It would, you know, it would be really difficult to find, you know, funds, or it would be much much more difficult probably. I mean, we would finish it, but I would have to go for a few international co-productions probably, and so yeah. What are the
1: challenges of working with a company like HBO? Like in terms of creative control, do they want to interfere with the, you know, the creative direction or with any of those sorts of things? Is that a problem or a challenge?
3: Officially, yes, because that's a kind of a contract you have to sign with them, that they have rights to final cut and it's mm-hmm. like un- unnegotiable. negotiable. But uh, actually we have a really very smooth cooperation. It's like, yeah. you know, like all these meetings that um where we were meeting from time to time just to discuss the new footage, to discuss the rock cut, or it was just like more supportive for us than uh it was it was great, you know. It's like what you not you you wouldn't normally expect from such a big company, you know, with their own rules and yeah. like agendas, etc. But I think it's like because it's Hanka Kastelitova is um She's a she's a former film, filmmaker herself, and uh, different
1: kind of respect for the and craft.
3: I guess that she, I like the same kind of movies that she does. So I think that that maybe helps, you know. It's so uh, we never ever had even one situation when they were fighting for some other I don't know ending or for some other direction of the. Yeah. Film. It was like, a
0: compliment to the company
1: and a compliment to her though. You know, having respect for picking the project that she believed in and then not interfering with it. Because you hear so many horror stories about, you know, big studios or wherever. you know, someone sold a script, you know, narrative world. And then it's like, oh, we're going to make, as you said, you know, you're contractually obliged to commit to that film now. You've taken the money, you're going to make the film. But at the same time, you're also, you could be in a problem where you sit and you go, oh, well, we're just going to change it now. (laughs) It's (laughs) like, whoa, what? Yeah. must be some, yeah <laughs> it must You Cannot
3: die at the end you have to change that. <laughs> <You have laughs> to be thing,
1: yeah. It is but great to hear that HBO were really supportive in that regard. Did you have any other partners?
3: Uh no, we just had money from regional funds and yeah. uh, from the Polish Film Institute and from we ha- well, we had partners with in-kind support yeah. like uh, you know the rental company helping
0: you out with the kit stuff it's yeah actually,
3: it's a it actually film so it's it's very uh i don't know it's it, it's really great that you say that it looks like fiction although it has made with such a small budget in the end so
1: it's really interesting as i said like obviously you can see how the camera language evolves throughout the movie because there's yeah. uncommon for obviously documentaries to court multiple uh contributors whether it be directors of photography or archive from other materials but obviously this is a story that plays out linearly so yeah of course it's going to naturally evolve because you're going to see the passage of time but that's yeah. what was sort of like oh is this how is this playing out but yeah really interesting to see that certainly
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> but it also was this search for the language of the film and like yeah. you know for completing the full crew yeah of- film so that we could really achieve what we wanted. And what was kind of really funny, interesting for me is like in in our team where like everybody is a completely different person, like in right. terms of character or energy or yeah so I'm sometimes wondering how it how it happened that we managed to make like one film. Like in this
1: and not twenty know, films, yeah.
3: Yeah, because uh you know it it was uh, this Collaboration piece, has
1: to have a direction, it doesn't it?
3: Was much more dem- democratic than in a usual film set. Normally, there is this kind of strong hierarchy. You have a director, DUP, and in like, it, that, division of roles. It's here. It was very flexible because of these skills. Like some people had some skills but missed other skills. So it yeah. was, you know, it was very, uh, very fluent. I think uh,
1: normally incredibly challenging, but great to see that yeah. this is the result of.
3: But that in a way, spirit for the whole time, we were making all the same movie, you know. Even if we were talking, like, if somebody would ask us a question, like, what this film is about for you? Because when you attend all these workshops, they always want... We want What's you to answer you one sentence, one sentence you have to say what this film is about. And every single person in uh, in our team would say something completely different. And they were like, they will never make this movie, you know, they will never <laughs> do it because like everybody's making a different movie. And then in the end, you know, like HBO was making the same film, every single person in the team was i don't know it's
1: story prevails doesn't it though that's the thing that's the take home isn't it the story prevails and these characters were going to get involved with this film regardless
3: (laughs) so we somehow managed
1: well i'm very very happy that you did i mean what's next for us obviously i'm understanding that. obviously from documentary there's a distribution path so i understand that you're at festivals right now yeah so yeah. How is that working out for you guys? Obviously, with the current situation, it's not like you can attend screenings and network. That must be incredibly challenging.
3: Well, it's no, you, you, you know, it's it's kind of a challenge to work for a, on a film for three years or three years and a half, and to invest your own money, energy, and everything. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this fucking pandemic is coming. <laughs> Now you would have to cut it out because I was swearing, sorry. It's
1: okay, it's okay. We have a swear chart that actually oh, okay. previously have done way worse than you. So you're yeah. doing this fine.
3: Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a bit frustrating but we were lucky enough because we premiered the film at IDFA at the end of last year.
0: Amazing. Give us some context.
1: IDFA, what's that?
3: Well, this is the most, um, I think the most important uh, documentary film festival in Europe. Wow. Um we were also really hoping for sundance because we were like in the last round of selection.
2: Wow. But we
3: had to confirm it before getting the results from Sundance. Oh, no which was way. very uh, like I was almost okay, let's say no to Itva, you know? And but then I thought, Okay, no, you cannot say no to Itfa, like what you don't do that, have you know?
1: What a good problem to have. Are uh, do we go for Sundance or Itva, like
3: no, we we didn't have really the choice. We had to wait because we knew that they liked the project, and we
1: had to come in. It yeah.
3: like three weeks to give the final decision because there's a oh. you know the selection committee, and they have to vote. And uh, so, but but we didn't. know. We, we thought it would be too arrogant to decline it for invitation.
2: So oh, there were great we're problems
3: Happy for really, we were really happy with the screenings we had there because we yeah. had uh seven screenings, and it was always full house and people were staying after the screening for q and a s and asking questions and it, and it's uh, it was interesting that to see that it was not only you know uh women at the age of yola um you know really that the film resonated with them but also girls that could be their her her daughters you know and I think that uh they could immediately understand her psychology and her story because because I think that everybody has met that kind of person in their lives, you know, even if it's your aunt or strange neighbour or it's eccentric lady.
1: But how much time do we really get to know these people? And I suppose from a family's perspective, I hadn't necessarily thought of that, that her daughters would actually get a completely unique viewpoint of their own mother.
3: Yeah, yeah, That's I mean, they, they, her family loved the film, you know, and, uh, which is very important for us because we, Helpful, had, yeah. that because we were actually, you know, we were showing a lot of vulnerable and delicate moments and also this aggression from the, the side of the husband, etc. Cool. For us, it was a very delicate thing and we didn't want to change anything in the film, but we but we wanted to show to the family first and to uh, to make sure that um, it doesn't make any harm to them. Yeah. And they loved it, you know, because Absolutely. I think, to be honest, I think that they, they thought that it's going to be... Because we didn't look too serious, you know, like as a team. In the beginning, we were even filming with this, you know, Canon 5D Mark, you know, so it doesn't look like a like huge camera and professional team and um, I think they thought that it's going to be kind of a, like a reportage for TV. And then they watched it and they were like, but this is a real cinema, you know.
2: <laughs> well, all used correctly.
3: They didn't expect that they, that their mother would be, uh, you know, the main character of the like real cinema. <laughs>
1: you know? That's amazing. Though. I love that reaction.
3: Yeah. It
1: must be interesting as well, taking it to the screening for the first time, because that's like, I guess, the first time you're releasing your work and your project into the public domain, I guess. That must be quite nerve-wracking, no?
3: Well, it is, but uh, uh, I'm happy that we still managed to do it live. And I cannot imagine because, you know, like starting from March, all these film festivals were either cancelled or postponed which probably will be cancelled as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Only some of them they went online. Right. And, and I thought that I would have to have a premiere of the film, like which is such an important moment for the whole such crew, and everyone. it would be online, and I wouldn't have any contact with the audience. Wow, that. Yeah, <laughs> that, it's
2: heartbreaking.
1: That's, that's
3: pretty terrible. You know.
1: So, what's the plan for the premiere?
3: I mean, we well. Yeah. I mean, we had this premiere and then we got a lot of invitations from the from the film festivals all around the world, but starting from March. And we managed right. to show it in Prague at One World Film Festival. Yep. And then the festival was cancelled, like, in, in the middle. Oh, man. So we, we had three screenings and then uh, it was cancelled. And then, you know, out of these 20 invitations that we got, I think three festivals went online. which is hot dogs in Toronto. Yeah. So we it's it's just I think it's just finishing today. It's the last day of our screenings there, but it's accessible only from people for people in Ontario. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, or do you have to wait for the feedback from that?
3: We I I don't know really how it works, you know, this is because this is like you know, the whole industry went online. The whole, you know, screenings went online. And uh, if if you have, like, we also have some <clears throat> meetings at, at Cannes Film Festivals with some decision makers wow. for another project. Yeah. And this still makes sense because you actually meet people, you discuss things. and Of course. The it would be nicer to be in Cannes and to see these people in person. But... uh You know, but it's, it still makes sense. But if you show your film online, Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't really know what's the reaction of people. And it's like, for me, it's so weird. I mean, I'm happy that it's still, at least we could reach to some audience, you know, in Toronto, we also screened at Dogfest Munich. Yeah. in Germany and uh Sydney Film Festival and we just got invited to New Zealand Film Festival which is going to yeah. be online as well
1: how do these things work then is it very much I mean you can't kind of answering the question anyway but how does it work and do you have like an ambition obviously oh, we mentioned Sundance and Idva but with other festivals is that then just the natural reactions you get invites from other festivals off the back of doing well or do you pick these festivals and apply to them
3: well we we uh, fortunately we have a sales agent which is okay. outlook, outlook they are they they have one of the best porfo- portfolio for documentaries they wow. pick like 12 13 documentaries every year and yeah and 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 so they so they apply for for the festivals but really? you know but you asked me about my ambitions and i had huge ambitions toward this film because i really trusted that's uh you know that's an audience pleaser also in a way and also it has an important topic in the background but now you know with this pandemic i don't have any expectations (laughs) because i don't have any influence on what's going on you know it's uh
0: well, after watching... It the
3: worst film, time ever for, for, to, to release the, the, fest, the, the film for the festival run.
1: Yeah. The, really. Well, <laughs> at least you got that head start and you've got those those little bits of the you know procedure started at least. So at least you can run with that momentum <laughs> stuff going on in the background, right?
3: Well, I hope it will surprise me now.
1: Still. Uh, I have faith. I have faith. So hopefully yeah. we can keep the motivation alive with you guys. Yeah,
3: sometimes you have these films that they don't go smoothly in the beginning, and then all of a sudden something happens, and then you know uh, other festivals keep on inviting them. I don't know. It's like this situation now; it's so unpredictable that it's hard to hard to expect anything. Uh, I mean, we were supposed to be the opening film of the my favorite film festival in Warsaw, which is Dogs Against Gravity, yeah. and it's supposed to take place in May as usual, and it was postponed to September. So I still hope that uh, we will open this film festival in September. And um, why is that one your favorite? Why? Yeah. Because uh, it's a feast of documentary cinema, I think. It's like...
1: Yeah, the diversity.
3: Well, it's like just people, like, really cinema is full all the time, even if it's sunny and it's hot and you could do many other things at the same time. People literally go to the cinema. It's, it has thousands and thousands of uh, viewers each year and it yeah. has the best selections of documentaries from all around the world. So if I can allow myself, I always try to plan, you know, this one week for myself and just to sit, truly to sit in the cinema and to watch the best documentaries and not to have like industry meetings or like um, not to, you know, because there are a lot of film festivals when you, uh, as a professional, you go there and then you spend most of the time meeting with people yeah. in business etc and they don't really watch films
2: it's easy to get the but the
3: why that. are we doing this job you know because we love cinema and really, yeah. that's why this festival is so great because it's all about cinema I think
1: yeah I think for me as well it's looking at these different festivals it's easy to get kind of caught up because there are so many festivals these days yeah. you know, I'm generally sincerely interested to hear about these ones in different parts of the world because You know, I pick up on different pieces of information. Lucky enough to have little bits of coordination on some short projects with different film festivals. But it's so hard to navigate. Like, easy to have ambition for major film festivals, obviously. But when it comes down to, like, ones like you said, it's like there's actually this little pocket of resistance and they just care about cinema. So what a wonderful thing that that festival still exists. But picking them, it's like, obviously, if you don't have a sales agent, there's entry fees. You've got to get accepted. There's that whole thing. It's quite tricky as an independent to try and navigate that situation. So great to hear that there's, there's those kind of film festivals that exist.
3: It's a lot of work and money. And um, like, I'm so glad I don't have to do it myself because, <laughs> yeah.
1: That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah.
3: So we, you have to come to Warsaw in September. Yeah. yeah. I'm there. It's really oh, a great gosh. festival, and I hope I hope nothing you, you know. have my word, honestly. And yeah. Not surprise us again, and that we can all meet in the real cinema and to have a real Q and A instead of the you know recorded one. So,
1: honestly, I have you know, I'm fingers crossed for you guys that you get to make that happen because I would I'd love to be there. I'd love to come over and check it out for sure, just to experience the whole situation and to see you guys there as well to see it come through. I mean. Have you guys got in in terms of understanding how people can watch the film? Is that waiting for distribution? Do you have to wait for that thing to happen before it goes somewhere for broadcast, or have you got a plan for how people can watch this film?
3: Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be broadcasted on HBO Europe, exactly. Uh, so it will be in like fourteen. I, I don't remember if it's fourteen or seventeen countries in Europe already. Yeah. So yes it's uh, and it's going to be at the end of this year and we are also trying to sell it i mean its outlook who's responsible for that but uh, they are selling it to uh to other foreign televisions and uh, during ITFA industry meetings they had like 20 meetings with different broadcasters from all around the world and they you know they they were interested in the project so we will see i hope i hope
1: well, I mean, amazing. I it's be-
3: <laughs> buy it. Come on. I don't know what they are waiting for. This just should have
1: uh, <laughs> Well, as we know, you know, this current situation, There's, I know yeah. there's some showrunners in the States about some projects that we're working on. Um, a lot of people are very tentative about valuating, you know, valuations for projects. So I know a lot of negotiations, even from our side with our projects, are sort of like mm-hmm. people are like committing to some things and not to others where they would have been otherwise. So, it's interesting to see how these things will play out, but that's definitely starting to improve right now, and we're having communications with our producers in the states like on a daily basis at the moment to see how these things unfold and It's very fascinating to see how things are going so obviously a lot of those decisions are made certainly from our perspective within Los Angeles. I don't know how h b o Europe work with their partners and how subservient they are to perhaps the, you know, the U.S. partners in terms of where and how that money gets distributed, but it's interesting to see.
3: Well, the money comes from U.S., that's for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But
3: uh But uh, these HBO Europe regions are only the European countries, like some of the European countries. Okay. So we still have rights for U.S. market, if we want. Really? Yeah, but we, you know, we had this North American premiere at Toronto, but we do, st- still didn't have the the American premiere. I mean, US premiere. So we're still waiting for some good festival to invite us.
2: Well, and
1: again, fingers for that. <laughs> That's another premiere I'd love to come to too. <laughs> yeah, I'm start following this film around its festival circuit just to go and check it out in all the different countries.
3: Yeah. yeah so, ah, I think I think that they really should because you know. What I don't know how much you laughed when you were watching the film.
1: Very specifically, the helium scene. I was laughing by like, yeah. every part of my body. It was hilarious. There was just
3: so, so for me. What is like probably the most unique about it, and it's probably why I instinctively decided to go into this project like this without thinking, is that you know even if it's um, there are a lot of serious topics like this domestic violence issue yeah. and you know and aging think- and. Mm-hmm. You know, and her her family relationship, like there is a lot of things that are kind of sad in a way, but she's so funny, and it's like I found it you know it's it the it's tone of video, it's really it's so light and hilarious and
2: her language
1: like you wouldn't yeah. expect it from her at all, and you know <laughs> even <laughs> her boyfriend doesn't expect the language at certain points in time. There's that one scene where they're sitting at the dinner table and yeah. she listening to that video recording, and it's like. Yeah f this and f that and she's like almost embarrassed about the situation like oh you don't want to listen to that
3: she was she was scared like hell when she realized that she's he's watching you know the video of her <laughs> husband so
1: oh man and again it's like when you when i when i'm like oh yeah it's a documentary i remember those scenes i'm like wow that's
0: real that's like
3: <laughs> well you know you know if you if you are close with the camera with someone for so such a long time, these surprises happened. It's like presents for the documentary filmmakers you know that but also, if you know your characters so well, then you you know what to hope for, and when you hope for these moments,
1: you can wait, you can be
3: patient uh, with
2: cameras, yeah
3: yeah, like I uh, like another project that we are doing now about also an older lady, this amazing Please, yeah. She's the oldest DJ in Poland and she's such a positive character you know she she just didn't realize that she got 81 she still thinks that she's like maybe 40 you know she's she keeps on saying that 80 is a new 40 and she has this amazing power you know but but there are these moments where the limitations of her body are you know giving some little signs like well Maybe you are not forty anymore. And for example, I was a witness when I was alone with her when we were not shooting. That she forgot the pin code to her to enter her house. You know, no way. Forgot she, she it, and she was so st- because she, she's a very bright woman. She has a brain that works like you know. So she's so sharp. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden she forgets these numbers that she uses. Five, five times a day you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and she got so stressed out about it and I was like talking to the director and she says oh my god we have to film that how can we film that it's so important for us to show these moments of her you know, yeah. and health reminds her of her age that's not so smooth anymore and two days ago it happened when we were filming <laughs> she forgot it again I mean <laughs> Well, I hope that she, it will not happen too often and I of hope that course. she's in great health for, you know, the, the, the next 20 years. But it's, you, you know, if you're hoping. Also,
1: what I enjoy about documentary filmmaking, though, is that it can be, there's still a tone and there's still a direction that can be yeah. adhered to. And it's how you present that information that communicates the story. And obviously, that character is just taking this stuff in her stride. It's stressful, but it's only one part of her day. It's not her whole life. The reality is, her whole life is dedicated to Do Jane, and like, and that's wonderful that she like she's like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to get on with life. And that's the thing is like, it's very much you said. You know, some subjects can be hard hitting, of course people getting old, all that sort of stuff, you know, specifically with the other, you know, she's getting divorced or contemplating getting divorced and leaving an abusive husband. This stuff could be really depressing and sad, but it's not. It's real life.
3: It's, uh, yeah, but I think it comes from the eye of the, how do you say, the eye of the beholder?
2: Of course, perspective, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's the matter of perspective. It's like in Poland, we have this huge tradition of like a very heavy documentary cinema, like with this, very depressing topics, and we have great we have great documentary films, that's for sure.
2: Yeah. But
3: for example, myself, I was kind of fed up with the tone. Like, if you always have to find someone who's just dying out of cancer, and mm. he's, I don't know, and getting divorced at the same time, and next everything is so depressing, you know. And uh, I'm always drowned by the, the characters or topics where. You know, you can introduce some humor into that because for me it's on the only weapon you can have against, you know, the set
1: That's how you get through life, you know, this is how you get through life, right?
3: Yeah, it's how it's how you get through life. So this is like I'm always I realize that all projects that I'm entering or doing myself, it's just like in warm ironic tone and full of sense of humor. Because this is how you can survive, I think. So
0: that's it isn't
1: it yeah and you know the directors and your obviously combined vision with this film enables that kind of storytelling to have a place and the fact that's being recognized by HBO Europe and the heads of department there is it's just brilliant I really love that story I love your guys story about this project as much as I love the project itself because it just is that situation where it's like this story has found a way to exist you guys you know came together in a crew that, you know, like you said, is they've all got different ideas, but it's all the same democracy. you the same vision is being there, even though you'll have different motivations behind the project. And I it just don't know has
3: that it happened, you know, we succeeded. I don't know.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it is wonderful. I mean, obviously you mentioned um, this uh, is it DJ Wicker? Is that the name?
3: DJ Vika.
1: Yeah, Vika. So she's yeah. that's the next project. Where, yeah. how, how how far along is that? Is that something that we can expect? Are you shooting? Are you able to shoot yet? Or
3: yeah, I think it will be ready in like one uh, one year and a half. Okay. We have uh, shot I don't know maybe sixty percent of uh, uh, of the film, I guess. But we had to we had to stop shooting for the time of the quarantine. Now, so we are now getting back to
2: uh, yeah.
3: work like properly. But this um, but this project it's gonna be much bigger. It's directed by Agnieszka Zwiewka, who actually is like one of my favorite Polish directors. And I was so happy because she approached me after when I was still doing Lessons of Love. She approached me and she she offered me to be one of her two producers. And so I was...
1: That's an amazing feeling
3: yeah but it was like it was amazing because it's like it was like she made this film the queen of silence which is a documentary musical and it has yeah it has won so many awards all around the world and it was like a very and it also was acquired I mean uh, co-produced by HBO Europe it was like one of my favorite films because all of a sudden it was this film that's light and funny and it has this serious topic behind you know uh, so it was a, for me a different quality, you know, than than all these tough, difficult documentaries. Yeah, yeah, hard. Yeah. So now, so now, and 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 she's now. So this this project is much like bigger in terms of production because there are, we are two producers, me and Kasia yeah. Schlitska, yeah. and uh, it's co-produced also by Finland and uh, Maya from Germany and Stefan from Italy and. Um, yeah, so Japanese broadcaster NHK. So it has become like much of a bigger production. So. It's been a great
1: to hear, especially because obviously all these projects are now yeah. coming because of these opportunities that you've been involved with. Like it's you know great to hear from my perspective how these things become catalysts for other things.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Start finding different projects quite naturally, organically. Yeah, directed to approach you like yeah directly is amazing. That's great.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's like it's you use the word organically. I think it suits best that it sound, just happens. You know, like one thing comes from the other. And I also, I told myself I cannot make another film when I'm the only producer and I'm making. You know, I'm doing so many things at the same time. And
1: but you put your graft in, you put the hard work in, and you, yeah. you stay dedicated at the beginning, uh, and yeah. things do come together. You start yeah. finding the help that you need, right?
3: And I forgot to tell that HBO Europe is in this project as well, so.
2: (laughs) That's
1: really cool. Honestly, I'm so happy to hear that, like, they're continuing to support you guys as well. Like, it's not just a one-off, it's a continued relationship, like, once you've got that cemented thing, it moves forward. I mean,
3: but just to give you the idea of the film, it's going to going to be a documentary musical as well. Yeah. Uh, it's so it has combined documentary observational scenes when we are following DJ Vika yeah. in her life, but also there will be because you know she's such a great fan of music and it's all about music and joy of life. Like it's a film about celebration of life, but also about dealing with inevitable because she's getting old, you know. Yeah. And, um, but but there are also these choreographed, choreographed,
1: choreographed,
3: choreographed (laughs) musical dancing, uh, like dancing scenes, which are uh, some kind of a representation of her inner world, like of her feelings, because sometimes she feels depressed, but most of the time she is at, uh, you know, She's at the stage as a star. Sounds
1: very so, interesting.
3: So, for example, we already <clears throat> shot this scene with the music of Glo- Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive. Right. And it was like 100 elderly people, like the seniors, dancing on the streets of Warsaw what? and dancing to that music. So this is a kind of vibe that... <laughs> I'm starting
2: to get the picture now.
3: <laughs> yeah. And now we are preparing for the next musical scene uh, with Michel Kurevich song, I don't know if you know.
1: I can't say I do. I know Gloria Gaynor,
3: but. <laughs> but we are we are trying. Um, we are we are, we are mostly using very famous, you know, um, very famous big hits, or yeah. sometimes covers of these hits, and. So, That's uh,
1: fantastic. Where can yeah. we? Where can I uh, stay up to date with these projects? Is there stuff
3: online? Uh, we are, we have the fan page at Facebook. Yeah. Like both for lessons of love then we yeah. we give all the updates uh, regarding the festival invitations and the screening in each country or i don't know broadcasting we'll
1: make sure we share some links so people can have them so,
3: in, in so description. you find lessons of love i don't remember it's like just lessons of love documentary i think i just have to check it so good yeah, it's Lessons of Love slash Lekcja Miłości. That's the Polish title and film.
0: It's
1: cool. But, I mean, if you Google Lessons of Love, it comes up. It's lessons of Love trailer comes up. So if I you should... want to check out the trailer again, go and, go and yeah.
2: have
1: a look. There is
3: a trailer. And it's also – and Vika has also the fan page. Vika Documentary Musical.
1: Which is W I K A.
3: Yeah, it's with W, so yes. it's Wika in Polish. We yeah. it, it, it's we, we read it Wika, yeah.
1: Yeah. So Great. That's fantastic. I honestly I can't wait to hear more about these projects and ultimately how you guys find your way through this wonderful world of the festivals and stuff. And sincerely, I, you know let me know about the 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 Polish premiere in Warsaw of the festivals and stuff like that. Because like yeah, I'm all over that. It's going to be good fun. Uh, I
3: mean, uh, Yola, the main character, uh, she Can was. She, sorry. you gonna be there. Well, she's gonna be there, of course, with all her best friends and with her boyfriend. You know, everybody's going to come here.
2: <laughs>
3: she was asked to be the uh, at the cover on the cover page of the main uh, women's magazine, and there's gonna be an interview with her. And that's awesome. Yeah, her we, sense
1: of style is so unique. So I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. She's a classy lady.
3: She. Oh, she is. <laughs>
1: Brilliant. Well. Yeah. Anya, I'm very aware that we obviously we've got you for a lot of time today, so I'm very, very grateful for the whole conversation. It's amazing to hear so much about it and to share your story with us. I'm really internally grateful, seriously.
3: Yeah, and I hope that people will have a chance to watch uh, watch our film. If it's not on HBO Europe, I hope it's going to be one of the festivals, and then I hope that still the festivals will will be happening and the pandemic. oh we
1: well, certainly, we certainly, oh, people yeah. Out certainly,
3: yeah,
1: fantastic. Well, Annie, all the best with everything, and all the best with everything. Yeah.
3: Okay, so I have to wrap it up because I have the meeting in Cannes. Although I'm sitting at home, so
1: amazing. Well, okay. all the best with that. It one.
3: Amazing it would be if I was drink, you know, sipping the drinks over there under a palm. On the
1: beach, right?
3: <laughs> it's, yeah. it's
1: all right. You can bring the glamour home.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, honestly, all the best with that and congratulations with all the success so far. Thank you. Thanks so much, Annie.
3: Great talking to you.
1: You too. Thank you. Thank you so much to Anja Stelinska there, co-producer, producer, director, everything that seems on Lessons of Love. Uh, as she said, that's going to be on HBO Europe coming out real soon. But all the best to her with all of the uh, festivals they've got going at the moment. And fingers crossed they get some awesome premieres to look forward to. In coming weeks, we've got Tyler Ross coming up, Company 3 senior colorist, is an incredible talent in the industry and he gets to share with us what it's work- like working at at that top level of the industry, working on some incredible features and all sorts of everything in between. We've also got Roger Horrocks. He's a BAFTA winner for Blue Planet 2, which is just the most mind-blowing show I've ever seen. So we're incredibly lucky to get him sharing his knowledge of underwater cinematography. So check back in with us, guys, but thanks for tuning in.
0: Uh, next episode, I meet a camera trainee on the Mark Milsom Foundation. It's the foot in the door scheme. So the premise of this is that the whole foundation encourages people who have like achieved a lot in their short academic careers. And then it's an opportunity for them to make the most of that opportunity moving forward. So like get onto trainee training schemes with camera departments and all that sort of stuff. So really excited about having this conversation because I had a very unconventional route into this industry. And none of this is easy, so if there are opportunities to get a leg up and a helping hand, I'm all for it. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Until next time.